Hey all you rad dads out there. Hey what's up everyone, Rad Dad Brett here bringing you another episode of the Rad Dad Show. It's been a while, I know. I apologize. I've been moving for the last few weeks so I just haven't been able to get to editing but I'm all settled in at the new house and I managed to get this one done just in time for Father's Day. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, happy Father's Day to all the rad dads out there. This episode's a really cool one because it came about pretty serendipitously. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Descendants fan. So a few months ago, Punk Rock and Paintbrushes did a run of 100 prints of a photo of Milo to raise money for the Riot Fest Foundation. Of course, I managed to snag one of them. But anyway, the photo was taken by none other than Kevin Salk, who's a photographer who's gained a lot of popularity as of late. He has an amazing story. As a high school kid with a nice camera in California, he took a bunch of amazing photos of west coast punk bands like the descendants circle jerks and black flag well after high school kevin put those photos in a box in his attic and he only recently pulled them out and started sharing them online well of course people are just eating these photos up because they're incredible anyway i noticed kevin started following the podcast so i reached out to mention i'd snagged one of his prints and through chatting a little bit found out he's a dad so of course i asked if he'd come on the show So that brings us to today. Kevin was super fun to talk to, and he talked about how reconnecting with his punk rock side has helped him find his true, authentic self. As a rad dad to two girls, he talked about the importance of following your passion and teaching your kids to follow their passions too. And we also talked about how relationships between kids and parents can evolve over time. Of course, we talked a lot about what Kevin has going on now too, and some exciting projects in the works. So without further delay, let's get into it. Here's Kevin Salk. Are we start? Are we recording? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So uh, I'm my name's Kevin Salk, and I'm f- I'm 56 years young, and I live in uh, Manhattan Beach, California, and uh, I'm a du- father of two amazing daughters. One who's 22, uh, graduate of Berkeley, and then a 25 year old who is a graduate of Auburn University, and what has been this new journey of mine is a kind of a circle back into my punk rock roots through my photographs. And uh, it's something that what's cool is I've been able to bring a time for dads who were in the scene to be able to relive it and, and get a vision or maybe a jog the memory back into that time. Right. But the cool thing is I think there are dads who've been able to, their kids are into it. And whether they're in bands or they're just part of the scene, they can see his sitting down with their kids and saying, here, this was, this is what your crazy dad was like. And uh, this is, you know, be fortunate your dad's still alive from it or you wouldn't be here. So, yeah. So, uh, so like your photography, it's kind of funny. Cause right now, like you go to a show and there's, everybody's got their cell phone out and taking pictures. There's like thousands of pictures of any given show, but that wasn't the case obviously back in the early eighties. So you took all these photos and then, then what, what happened to them? They were, I developed them. The whole idea was, um, and and I can't really give you an answer as to why it's like people say, well, why did you take photographs? I'm like, I had a big flyer collection. Uh, I had a big 45 collection, you know, buttons, so maybe it was part of that 
I don't know, wanting to have the, the most of things. But there was also people like Glenn Friedman and Ed Culver who were, you know, they were the, they were the 800 pound gorillas at that time. And they were in all yeah. the fanzines and I thought their stuff was really cool. So, you know, I started with using a point and click. Uh, I just posted today the Kevin Salker rookie collection of okay. photographs uh, that were not very good. I took some pictures in DC of minor threat and scream and iron cross and, and faith. And, you know, the pictures stink, but they do capture you know, a time of, you know, again, I was never considered a, I never considered myself a photographer. I was a kid. I was 16 when I started, probably 15 when I got into the scene. And I loved the music and the energy and, and you know, my, my childhood coming from divorced parents in a beach community where I live now. I mean, I'm right now I live three blocks from the beach. So it was a very great place to grow up. But back then, you know, I felt very alienated. Um, it was a primarily or, or almost exclusively, you know, Christian neighborhood. And I come from a Jewish family. So there was that feeling of not belonging. And then the divorce, you know, these were ingredients. And it was not a pretty divorce. I don't think divorces are. Um, I can speak from experience from mine. But it was the perfect ingredient to want to be in something where you're part of a group that doesn't belong. Right. And punk rock was also a place that offended people, parents, uh, teachers. There was violence. There was just, you know, people trying to offend. And it just, it just, it was all, it was a perfect scenario for someone in my case. Plus I had friends who were, who were, I've known since kindergarten who were starting to get into it too. So uh, it just kind of blossomed. And, and I think where my picture started to get better was when I took a photography class in high school, my senior year and learned how to develop film. And, you know, you can develop black and white at home. So I made a, in my dad's house and my dad was cool. My dad was into jazz. I grew up with jazz uh, and classical. So music cool. was always a part of my life. Um, you know, back then parents and in, in the seventies, I mean, certain things happened in, in, in the house, whether it's drinks or herbal products. <laughs> um, but my, you know, my parents, my mom was a, you know, she was a very much a, I'll say a rebel. She was a, you know, a protester of the Vietnam war. Yeah. And a great musician. And so I think those were things that, you know, when it comes down to it, the music is, it's not technically proficient, but it's just, it's just killer music. So yeah, a distillation of that energy and that, that, uh, uh, like that angst and you, you kind of have that like perfect storm of emotions and feelings. Well, I think you it was, identify with that. I think everyone there was probably a little bit damaged. Yeah. Whether it was through abandonment or, you know, it, it was again, a quote unquote gang mentality in a sense where you part of a family and, yeah. but instead of violence, instead of guns and drugs, at least not for me, we had music. Yeah. And it was a very, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It was just, I felt 
I felt belonging to something that was different. And I've seen when I look through my life, being different was something that I enjoyed. Right. So, um, but the photos just came about. I developed them. I, I made copies, sent them to my, have my friends get copies. But yep. for some reason, I kept everything. And I'm not a real big pack rat, but I put it into very good storage. And at the you end knew of, that you had something special there. You know what? Or at least uh, special to you. I think it was something, yeah, it was special to me. And after the you know, the beginning of ninth, the end of 83 or August, September of 83, I went to college and that was it. Yeah. Never took a picture of a band again. Never went to a punk rock show until I think it was 2013. I saw Pennywise. Uh, but, you know, I, I moved towards seeing Metallica and Guns N' Roses and uh, Molly Crew and ACDC. So I became a bit of a metalhead. Yeah. And, you know, became a fraternity guy and drank like a fish and, <laughs> um, you know, didn't do well in school. But, uh, you know, then I graduated, got a you know normal job in financial services, ended up getting married, having two, you know, two daughters, and then, uh, you know, went through a, not a pretty divorce. So, you know, the rad dad be kind of came the bad dad. And, uh, and then, you know, you fast forward to July 22nd of 2019. Uh, I got a text from uh, Fathom Gallery. Okay. Uh, Frank Gioro, I butcher his name all the time, but he texted me and said, you know, I've, I've seen your work on the, on the, on the online and I want to talk to you. When can you, when can we talk? So I think I was over there in about an hour and the next day signed a contract as my, my representative. And then that Saturday I had two pictures in a photography show that they were hosting. So, you know, there wasn't enough wine available to, helped me figure this stuff out. Cause it was really, it happened so fast, Yeah, but it really was a seminal moment in my life because it started to, you know, figure out who I am and who I am as a human being, who I am as a dad, um, you know, who I am as, a, you know, it's kind of hard to describe, but it started to, peel back the onion and and so was it was it kind of like do you think it's because it's taking you back to you know those kind of early days do you think it's kind of realizing oh I kind of you know dropped this passion of mine and you know it's reconnecting what what is it that sort of I think what that it's on? done is it's created who I really am as my daughter said my true authentic self which you know I was caught up in all the you know, the suits and the ties and the cars and this and that, and, you know, tried to be like everybody else. And it was all bullshit. It was all, if in hindsight, it was really, I'm not going to say fake, but it wasn't real. You got Milo behind you, one of your photographs. And we were just talking about that before. I've got a, a copy of that from Punk Rock and Paintbrushes. Um, so you were living the suburban home, right? Well, like it was the suburban, of... it was a suburban home, but, you know, trying to be 
you know, Manhattan Beach is a very affluent community. And it was, you know, I'll say the country club lifestyle. Yep. My daughter had a couple horses and it just, you know, it, it contributed to a, a downfall in my life. You know, I mean, it, it, it imploded. And um, so this is kind of, in almost sense, it's a rebirth. And it's, it's really re- getting back to the roots of who I really am, which, you know, like my mother, who was a big influence on, on me, and she's, she's looking down and she's smiling <laughs> because it's not wanting to be part of the, the status quo. It's, it's not wanting to be, you know, the, the suits and the ties. It's, it's, it's really getting back into who I am as, as a human being. And I, I hope that, you know, I, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who lives in New York, as you know, she was very pleased to see that now her dad is actually dad, a, a real human being. And I think I'm a better father because there is no bullshit attached to it. It's, it's real. You know, my kids don't, uh, you know, they don't always agree with me. My oldest and her music and my music, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the polar opposite. <laughs> I think her music is awful because it's Drake and uh, you know, that kind of music. But my youngest, who went to Berkeley, you know, graduated with honors, is is getting into. The, you know, she's becoming my mother in a sense of the kind of music and the path that my mom lived, which was nonconformity, protest, but. It was music. My mother was into Janis Joplin. She yep. was into that kind of music. And so now my daughter is, that's where she's she's going. And she's liking bands like the Ramones and cool. the Misfits. She's not a huge fan of the real hardcore like Black Flag and which I stuff I love again. Yeah. But you do get that cool factor because I'm now, I guess, recognized around the world for my work. Um, and stuff that I, you know, I'm still, I was never a photographer. I was just a kid who was, who loved the music, loved the scene and ended up bringing a camera. And I mean, some people say you have a unique eye or this and that. And I'm like, okay, I just, (laughs) I was at the right place at the right time, but the importance now, it took me 40 years to to realize how important it was because it brought me back, not trying to relive my youth, yeah, but it's brought back the, what's the word? The, I'd say again, my true authentic self. That's like and the purpose now, of why you were there, what that I, meant to I, you at that time. Now my life has purpose. And it, there was an article that I was interviewed for and the the there was a question i can't wait to figure out the question was but it was like that moment where you get the chills where it was like that was that point yeah that explained i mean i got emotional in writing that piece because it just it was like the light bulb went off so and i think it's difficult for i think kids need to have parents who are real and, and it's been yeah. where i live you know it's, I mean, manhattan beach is a very affluent community and you know we're we put our pants on the same way we're no yeah. different and i think people who are honest 
And, and music is something that can bring honesty. It can, it can bring emotion, um, whether it's, you know, a violent emotion or a, you know, a, a relaxing emotion. I listen to Slipknot yeah. or hardcore metal and it relaxes me. Yeah. Can't explain why, but. Well, I think it speaks to a, an, an emotion you're feeling. It helps you kind of like connect that. For me, I have the same thing, but like you, you, it takes some of that angst or pain or whatever that is that you're feeling, however small it is at that moment. And it kind of takes it out. It puts it out somewhere. It absorbs it. like that. Yeah. Maybe it, that's what it is. It's a, it, it, what it does, I think is it goes, at least for me, it goes into my system and it's hard to describe, but what yeah. I've enjoyed now is, you know, I, it's, I can't change anything in the past, but I think my photos have, you know, the one thing now what's been great is through COVID is, you know, through Instagram and my, my punk rock Facebook page, it's, it's smiles and, and happiness, I think. Yeah is it's bringing back to those back in the day to maybe a different view and not to discount what Ed and Glenn and Allison Braun and the other photographers, but I think mine is a little bit different because I was just a kid. I was yeah. not a teenager and had a good camera. And, uh, you know, through some of my, you know, I became kind of a black flag groupie slash stalker and was able to use that to get into places. You know, maybe that was my early sales career. Right. But it, uh, it's, 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 it's being able to make people smile and able, able to bring them back to a time um, or bring people in who said, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't even born yet, but you've, you've brought, you've captured this time that is, you know, I can identify with. Yeah. That's what's cool because COVID, I think, has hopefully through this tragedy and this horrific pandemic, we've gotten back to basics. Yeah. Which is when I always talked about parents who, you know, when you sit down with your kids at their level, especially when they're younger, not sitting in a chair, but sitting on the floor yeah. and getting down to their level, I think that can provide um it's it's good for them and then being able to share the music i mean my ex-wife and i we tried to get our kids to listen to cool music i mean we it was in the car it was kiss or lincoln park or things like that and we and then things changed yeah we tried yeah so like it, it it's so neat to hear you talk about how Cause I sort of, you know, I, I've seen your account come up over the last year or two and started following you and looking at all these photos. And it's so, it is amazing. I wasn't around at that time. Um, were you, were you, were you born yet? <laughs> uh, I, so I was born in 1984. So kind of shortly, <laughs> shortly after all of this, <laughs> but, um, but it, it is neat because you can really feel those photos. That's what's cool about it. I think that's what people Thank are you. identifying with, right? You, you feel it, you feel like you're there, like some of this raw emotion, um, and, and it's neat that that's also kind of cathartic for you to kind of revisit 
these photos and, and reconsider like who you are as a person through that. It's really neat. It, it almost is, it kind of translates through the photos almost and, um, and through your account. So I, I want to kind of circle back to something you said before you kind of mentioned, you kind of, you know, went from that rad dad, to that bad dad phase. And I want you to think like, maybe help me understand wh- what that means. What is being a rad dad to you? And what's your journey of, of being a rad dad over the years? It's getting your kids to say, my dad's cool. My dad is not like any of my friends' dads. He's, he's got something that they can identify with. Um, you know, for me, one of the biggest moments was my dad's, my dad saying, he's proud of me. I mean, I'm at 56, my dad's 85. And regardless of age, when you hear your father say Mm -hmm. he's proud of you for what you've done you know it can take 40 years to get that validation because never been arrested never been suspended (laughs) probably should have been (laughs) but you know he wasn't proud of me because of my academics um because i was not a good student um it's like, okay, what is he proud of? Yes, I, you know, my, my ex and I am grateful for our children. And that's maybe something that is validating. But I think as you get older, getting that validation from your, your dad, who you could look up to, and my dad's someone I look up to in, in so many ways, that, that makes him a rad dad in a big yeah. way. And it's, so he also makes him a, a rad granddad. Right. Because yeah, that's a neat thing too, right? My girls are so close to him and he's been so supportive of, of their lives. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little harder to get validation from my older daughter. Um, and she's, but my youngest is kind of like, I think, you know, it's, you want your kids to be proud of your dad and say, Hey, my dad, you know, it's, it's not success, you know, down here there's, you know, it's Range Rovers and Mercedes and, yeah. I mean, who gives a shit? Yeah. Who really cares? But when you when able to connect, and that's again connecting music or art through your children or through other people, that is a emotional connection that tangible things cannot do. It's not, yeah, I live in a big house and this and that. That's not a that's not an emotional connection that hits your soul. Right. And you know, you look at, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. You know, whether someone lives in a, you know, a 50,000 square foot house, which I think is obscene <laughs> or someone who lives in a small house is that's the one thing about music is it brings people. It, it's, it's an emotional response and it doesn't matter what the music is. It's if it connects with them. And the one thing with, with punk rock that was so unique is the intimacy. Yeah. You know, it's it's fun to see Metallica in a big stadium, but to see Metallica in a small club mm-hmm. would be epic. But to be able to be part of that experience, to see and feel it, feel the sweat, feel the emotion, feel the energy. I mean, Henry Rollins, I do have a lot of pictures yeah. of him. It's, it's not like I have a man crush, but <laughs> he brought energy to their shows that I don't think anybody can replicate yeah. anybody period in any, in 
no one could bring the raw energy that he brought to, if I think about it, no offense to other bands, he brought it better than anybody yeah. else. And like, I think like some of what you're saying, like you're, you're kind of talking about um, connecting to your kids. And you mentioned something earlier about um, one of your daughters saying like, you've kind of found your, your true self, or, you know, I, I can't remember exactly how you put it, true, but true authentic self, true authentic self. So like, I think you're talking about passion too. Right. And like, so whether it's music art, you know, oftentimes it is those kinds of things, but I, you kind of hinted at it before that uh, importance of your kids seeing that you're passionate about something like, and, and maybe connecting to that through that. Like I, I so I have younger kids, I have a two and a five-year-old, but when they see that I'm excited about something, they're excited about it. Like for sure. They don't like it. They don't like my music that I listen to, but they're excited that I'm excited. And I like that does carry on, I think. Right. I mean, I think it does, you know, again, my, my older daughter's music is polar opposite of mine, but if she's passionate about it or just passionate about something, um, you want your kids to have that passion. My youngest, Again, Berkeley can convert your kids into being left of left of left, almost borderline communist. <laughs> but she has a passion for those who are, you know, she, affected by violence, drugs, um, just growing up. She's going to be volunteering for a suicide hotline. Wow. Uh, up in San Francisco, she wants to go into social work and get her master's in social work because this is what she's passionate about. So I can identify with that because my mother was passionate. Mm-hmm. Like my dad's passionate about cooking, drinking good wine and playing golf. So the whole idea is live, love and eat. Yep. My dad's in the restaurant business and that was a, uh, a, a kind of a signature comment by Wolfgang Puck, who's my dad's partner. Oh, okay. Restaurant. But it is, you live, love, and eat. And, and music is part of that love. Yeah. And it's just something that doesn't matter what the music is. It's whether you are passionate about EDM or passionate about country, or even though I think punk rock brings a different kind of passion because it evokes that. Actually, let me rephrase that. Country cannot bring that passion. Sorry. <laughs> it. You know, it's that violence of the music. It's that, yeah. you know, it's it's the speed. I mean, I I was listening to it. There was a new song today that that Fletcher put out with with Mike Muir, and yeah. that, it's like that's cool stuff. And you know, it's it's kind of hard. To, some of this I can't really describe. It's just it just is. But I think when I look out in the world, it's it's allowed me to be not as judgmental of people. And, you know, I'm very blessed that, you know, I'm in a good place. My, my girlfriend is, is a, is a huge part of my life. She's, she's a, she has a PhD in art history and she just published her first book. So there's that passion of art, right? But music is art and punk rock just brought something where it's not political, like in England, this is more, I mean, South Bay was raw and, um, you know, Black, we had some good bands coming out of the South Bay and Black Flags, Circle Jerks, 
uh, the descendants, you know, Milo and Billy went to my high school. Pennywise, Jimmy was was in the same grade as me. Uh, Milo and Billy were a couple years ahead, and you know, we've we've got we have some pretty good stuff down here. But then yeah, you look, no kidding, like, something in the water. You got something. You got Orange County. You got the you got the adolescents. You got TSOL. Uh, you got China White. Um, you got Agent Orange, the Vandals, and then you. So it was just, I think it was a lot of kids who were either disillusioned, angry, or pissed, same thing, or just felt like they didn't really fit in. Yeah, misfit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know, my my friends who I got in into with, you know, some of them were not as, maybe as fucked up as I was, but it wasn't based on drugs. It was just that, you know, you can, everyone celebrated, celebrated Christmas. I celebrated Hanukkah. And... Yeah when that group of people you just feel really out of place i mean christmas eve was a depressing time as a, as a kid yeah and now having that connection really what it's done is it created a bad a, a difficult time of my life to now be relevant right and it took 40 years to figure it out and right. the thing is it's i'm thankful that i've been able to figure it out because maybe a lot of people haven't and there isn't a clock. Some people figure it out on their deathbed or they, you know, so I was very fortunate. And, uh, you know, again, I think that makes me a better parent. Yeah. And you know, to me, that's, that's important, but you know, my, my parenting days are over now. It's just, you know, you still want to be a dad. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, they're not over. Right. But the, the, it's very different, right. It's not the, um, the, uh, I guess the nurturing and, and development and all that kind of stuff. Now they're kind of out on their own and it's a different kind of relationship now. But when you, when your kids start to, it's like, you know, I, I'd be driving, we go on like a road trip with my kids. We each have our own different music. I'd have my headphones on listening to things that my kids just would not listen to. But now, especially with my youngest, being able to share music together whether it's the doors or you know, i'm trying to get her into other stuff in my world i'm trying to sell her on pennywise and the misfits and black flag and it's like come on just take a step over yeah dead kennedy's um funny story when i, I had a dead kennedy's t-shirt when i was in high school my dad would not let me wear it in the house <laughs> he was a huge you know i understand his point he was a huge you know fan of of you know john f kennedy and, yeah. and bobby kennedy and it's a extremely offensive shirt back in the day yeah but at that point in time i'm like okay he doesn't like it i'm you know i'm all the more reason to exactly. put it on yeah the best story <laughs> is i got the lecture uh well we think it's in your best interest if we don't go to punk rock shows anymore because people are getting hurt and i'm like okay yeah. Okay. Sure. And I went to a gig the next night. Yeah. I just I put my stuff in a, in a paper bag and put it outside. And, you know, next thing you know, I was in Hollywood or somewhere at a punk rock show. So, so you mentioned your dad has like kind of come around and said, yeah, Hey, I'm really proud of you and proud of, of what you're doing right now. So has he sort of, has he talked with you and reflected with you about 
that time, sort of way back in the early eighties? And no, I, I, it's, it's not even that. We haven't that that conversation would probably require multiple bottles of wine, <laughs> but it's fun to talk about his disgust. His yeah. like, oh my! God. I mean, and again, he's eighty-five, so the memory's a little bit sketchy. Yeah. But to be able to tell him his reaction, I mean, I came back, I stayed with uh, with the guys in Minor Threat at Discord House for, I'm not sure how long, in yeah. summer of 82, just towards the end of the summer of 82, and went and saw them play in, in Baltimore and went to Wilson Center, and the last day they shaved my head, and Ian still has the razor to this day. Really? And bought it at a pet store. And it was like it shaved so many heads back in the day, probably Henry's head, his head, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And my dad's response when I came home was just, ugh. That's, that's, and my mother, she, she, again, she wouldn't talk to me for a month. Oh, man. Almost sent me to military school. <laughs> that's but hilarious. That is a good story. It's just, it's, you know, we, we, we don't, don't need to really, you know, he and I don't need to dig into the past. It's just, you know, he's seen, it's, I haven't really had a discussion with him, but it's just, he's seeing, I guess, me grow on or, or, or go back to a time and then make it relevant because I'm not afraid to go out and reach out to people like you yeah. uh, and tell my story. Cause I think, I think it's an interesting story. And uh, so you know, my mom and I, when we have our kind of our, you know, when I have my my mental conversations with her, wherever she, her spirit is, you know, there's, I mean, there are parts that I can never, I did the unread dad thing and the unread kid thing by coming home at six in the morning after a whole shit show of things from a show in Hollywood. And she was standing outside in the alley with the newspaper. Back then, I mean, there was no technology. There was no cell phone. Yeah. There was the yeah. only thing was the payphone. She thought I was dead. Yeah, and uh, that was a very uncool thing. And if my kids did that today, it would be, it would not be a pretty picture. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting reflecting on that once you become a parent yourself, right? Some of the things you did to your own parents, or the, you know. Um, but maybe some of the things you didn't appreciate, appreciate about your own parents or identify with at that time. And now it kind of makes a little more sense. Well, I think it's, you know, my parents, you know, they're very liberal or my dad's liberal. And I think they could probably understand it because they were, they were rebellious back then, you know, especially in this, in the late sixties. Um, you know, they were a little bit bohemian. Um, I mean, Divorce back then was was not a pop. I mean, it was it was very uncommon, especially where we live. So they did the best they could, yeah. but it's something that you know my my siblings maybe they don't have that. Let's go back and review a time in their life that now, forty years later, is your definition of your life. Yeah, and that 40 year gap is kind of just you know, what good things came out of it. My kids, um, my friends, yeah. especially my fraternity, but this whole, what's the word, this whole experience 
has it's it's created almost a bridge between yeah. back then and now that has passed over it's kind of driven over those 40 years of of things that were good and bad and things i'm not proud of and and things that happened but you know i'm healthy my kids are healthy uh my my friends are healthy my friend my my family's healthy um but it's it's been i never expected this ever but um it's been it was the right place at the right time back then and it was the right place at the right time in 2019 and it's just getting better right there's a lot of really cool stuff that i'm working on the book is a big one um so tell me about the book uh the book is it's called punk photos from a fan's perspective and the whole idea is same thing with my photos is to give people a an experience of what it was like to be a fan not a professional photographer but a fan so right. i was you know it's, it's it's very concentrated it's black flag misfits minor threat circle jerks and descendants that's it i have i have a total of about four maybe 450 photos so wow there's, there's nothing else there was no you know i and so the the thing that's been fun is talking to the guys in the bands because i don't want this book to be a pokumentary it's hearing about stories that other people may not know about right it's what was it like touring and things that fans want to know you talk to milo he wrote a piece that is so funny about the van and gas yeah not fuel but <laughs> yeah yeah flatulent fuel yeah and i was just laughing hysterically uh talking to des about a bet that's part of the book and you know i was very fortunate with ian to to help me get everybody in the band um oh. you know the misfits a little bit frustrating because i've gotten zero input but that's not you know, no one's really surprised yeah <laughs> uh, but the thing is like when i was talking to chuck dukowski about his piece i was sweating bullets because it brought me back to being the fan and here's this person who was an icon back yeah. in the day and i'm like you know can i have your autograph and same with keith morris and greg hetson so I, so it's it's stories that you know greg tells a story about his birthday in new orleans greg hetson and it's some i want people to laugh yeah and hear stories about going to Wiener schnitzel or you know living at at black flags you know headquarters in redondo beach and again not being something about you know how they got started and this and that it's it's just what was it like during that specific time period can you tell me something about that specific gig i mean i just got yeah. the set list from jeff uh from jeff nelson for the gig at um dancing waters with some little notes on it well and that's cool that's like that's a one of a kind that's amazing so and again that's been ian's been a, a big help and it's been fun it's been fun to not reconnect, but connect with people who I never really had a relationship with. I was this fan. I used to, I used to drive back and forth in front of SST headquarters, yeah. hoping someone would come out. 
and me groveling saying, you know, can I, can I touch you? Can I be, yeah. can I come in your shithole of a, of a, a place where six people lived in a single room, some yeah. guys living, sleeping under beds. But the whole idea is this is that moment from a fan's perspective. Yeah. And hopefully that will give people that experience, whether they were there or they're saying, God, I wish, you know, my dad was there. I want to see what it was like. Yeah. Well, like we were saying, or like I was saying earlier, like your photos, as I look through your photos on, on Instagram, on your account there, it's like, it just makes you feel like you're right there, right? It's got that sort of raw energy. And so it must be neat for the guys in the bands to see these photos too, right? Like they must just be like, I, wow, I remember that night or, you know, whatever it is. Well, we've been, so as an example, the last couple of weeks, we were, there was pictures that I took a black flag and we were trying to determine the, where it was. And it was, there was some mystery. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't, you know, looking at the way there was a certain clubs had a step or a, a kind of a, I forget what it's called, but a play for the band, the, the drummer would be a little higher level. There was the riser. A, yeah. Right. And, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, wait a minute something's missing here. We had Chuck Dukowski in three different types of shirts. One, two cutoff, one t-shirt. And Des and I, through long conversations, were doing some investigative work. And Chuck was also very, quote, instrumental because he said there were three different types of bass setups. So we finally figured it out that the Vex in East LA had two different locations. One was on Soto and one was oh. on Brooklyn that had two different environments. So pictures that I thought were at me Casita turned out to be at the Vex. And I have zero recollection of going to the Vex. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, it's going to take some very interesting therapeutic. You know, it might take a, a couple doses of something to try to <laughs> go to that place. Dig into that, that deep memory. There's somewhere, but... Yeah. It was fun to kind of go through that process and through some help on 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 Facebook. Same thing with Terminal 406 was this was this 930 club. And when we figured out for some pictures with Iron Cross, it was that was a Wilson Center. And then wow. someone sent me the flyer today. So it was just it's it's fun to kind of figure that out. But yeah, the pictures, some of them didn't last, some of them got just through chemicals from developing them, did tests, you know, but they didn't last the test of time. But yeah. the fact that, you know, that's the beauty of negatives. If you do it correctly, they can last forever. Yeah. And what's cool is now finding, it's like, wait a minute. I never saw that one before. Wow. Let's, let's do a little Photoshopping and clean this thing up. And then it's just like, holy shit, this thing is unreal. Yeah. I mean, there's some pictures. I mean, the whole Henry and the Speedo thing. <laughs> yeah. So great. Classic. I think he was the only one who can get away with it. Yeah. But uh, the thing that's frustrating is, so what's your recollection of that gig? And it's like, there isn't one. It's absolutely absent from my, couldn't even tell you. But I do have some memories of certain shows, like Bob's Place for yeah. the Misfits in the most dangerous part of Los Angeles, gang infested South Central Los Angeles. Crazy. And 
you know, being surrounded by you know bloods or crips, it was, I mean, for me, it was terrifying. Yeah. Or gigs where there were, I mean, riots. I mean, literally, you know, police were just, you know, I learned how to run fast <laughs> as a kid. But you look at it now and it's, it's you know, now it's kind of shaped me who I am now. Right. And again, like I said, it took me 40 years to figure it out. Well, th- this was, you know, you becoming your your true self, right? True authentic self at that time. And then there's just kind of this little gap <laughs> in between, right? And now you're reconnecting with that. It's so cool. It's really, but, it's really neat. I mean, it's then you see, you know, again, I see what Jimmy and Fletcher, what they've done in Pennywise. And, you know, I mean, Fletcher has stayed his true authentic self from high school. Yeah. I have pictures of him when he was in his former band called Con 800. Yeah. And he's tall, but he's a twig. Now he's gigantic and not a twig. Yeah. And uh, it's been cool. They've been, you know, I've, I've missed that whole period. But now I can go back and appreciate and look back at all the years they were doing as the fan. So I'm like the kid who never experienced Pennywise. But now I listen to him all the time and I'm on my bike. I love listening to punk rock and Pennywise and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them at some gigs and, you know, through relationships and friendships, I want to get back, take some pictures. Yeah. Oh, that's so but, cool. Jim's got a solo album coming out later yeah. this year, apparently. So, so he's got some cool projects and um, you know, I need, I need to go take a revisit to Fletcher's tattoo store to clean up some things and, and get some new stuff. So it's now a competition between me and my youngest daughter who has the most tattoos. <laughs> That's um, cool. Yeah. It's, it's so neat to hear you talk about this and kind of like, you know, how this has been such a f- sort of formative um, experience, kind of getting back into these photos, like these photos really brought this all out. Right. It's so neat. They, they brought out, they unearthed something that it's some of it I just I really can't put into into context. Maybe it's something that's more of a someone's got a PhD in psychology, but it's I can't I can't really put my finger on it. But I don't really need to. I'm just I'm enjoying the moment. I'm able to share it with yeah. others. I'm able to share it with my kids, my you know my dad, my my girlfriend. Um. And it, it also, it, it's, it's brought me back to being part of a group that feeling belonging to a group that doesn't belong. Yeah. And, and that's probably what the neat thing is, is, you know, is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm 56 and I like being still being a rebel and still now becoming more the nonconformist where trying to be the conformist didn't have a good outcome. Yeah. I think like in talking to dads on our show, that's a really common theme that comes out is that like after I become a parent or kind of around that time, it's more, maybe it's more kind of growing up or, you know, you finish college or, you know, but often that, that catalyst is having kids when all of a sudden it's not really about me anymore. And you kind of, it's hard 
it's, I guess it's easy to lose who you really are. And that's a really tough thing for a lot of parents and certainly a lot of dads is I've got these other responsibilities and I just need to focus on that. And a lot of dads have kind of vocalized that when I don't pay attention to who I really am and, and follow my passions, even as a parent, um, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. Um, you know, and so I'm kind of hearing a little bit of that here that, you know, there was just this passion, there was just this thing that was missing, this little missing piece for you and um, how important it's been to kind of reconnect with that, fill in that missing piece. Well, it's it's a piece that I didn't find is it found me Yeah. in a way that just, it just kind of happened. And you're right, it's kids become everything for you and you become selfless, which I think is an important trait, Yeah. which you know, we live in a very selfish society, at least in certain parts. Yeah. So being able to become more selfless, and I hope there's either whiskey or wine in that. that uh, <laughs> this is just water for now, but I'll, I'll have a beer afterwards. <laughs> but um, hopefully a good Canadian beer, Molson or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, lots of good beers around here. It's, um, you know, it's it's just, it found me. And I guess you could say it's, well, I don't know what the what the one song is, but, you know, it's, it's now I'm found. But it's cool where it found me, where I wasn't looking for it. It's this little creature was was just kind of going in circles for many, many years, decades. And again, a lot of good things in those decades, a lot of bad things. Um, but now it's, again, it's, it's found me and it's changed everything in the way I look at the world. And I look at myself now, again, I, I've had some you know, major surgical issues based on, I mean, I played hockey for 10 years, just destroyed my body, um, loved it. Um, but, you know, cycling for right now is my, that's my drug and had major neck surgery in February and, and kind of hip, hip replacement two years ago, uh, not from punk rock, but I think a lot of it was from hockey. Um, it's, you know, it's interesting. My days in hockey were, very reminiscent of punk rock, but not at the time where I mean, if I was wearing a hockey hockey pads in my punk rock days, I would have been knee deep in the slam pit and yeah. diving off the stage um, being very violent because I typically led the team in penalty minutes when I played. Um, but this is just, I don't know. I, I got kind of lost in thought. But I think you kind of get the picture of where this has become that important. And it's not really, it's hard because like punk rock, you have the term punk as a kid, but I'm a 56 year old kid. And I, the nice thing is there's a lot of people that were part of that world. Some who didn't make it, some, you know, ended up in, in prison or, you know, dead or you know the demons took their lives yeah but they're all now my age and it's really cool to be able to reconnect with them and especially some of the photographers i mean allison braun who's just an amazing photographer yeah. she is cool 
She is a very cool person. And we're, we're you know, looking at some things with this punk rock museum that's opening up in the summer. I was wondering if you would be involved um, with that. Yeah. yeah. And then cool. a new Hansgen, who was Steve Hansgeth's wife from Minor Threat in DC. She's doing a really cool project that it's just fun to be able to get these calls and say, hey, I've seen your work. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah. yes. So most of my answers are yes. Yeah. The only person who says no is my, my gallery representative uh, at Fathom. He says no. You know, we're, that's just no. <laughs> but the, kind of keeping you balanced a little bit he's he is the one who keeps me balanced and, and keeps me with you know what our you know, i guess i'll say what our brand is and, and what our, our identity is we we you know, we don't want to be a z gallery because we think we have the quality of work that can really be you know out there in museums and but i'm getting in you know i got inquiry from the university of maryland with their they have a in their performing arts department they have a kind of a punk rock area yep based on dc cool and they want my stuff so it's like i'm gonna have my own little permanent collection so it's just like stuff it's just like good god this is lots happening for you right now crazy there's some some collaborations with some other artists and it's just it takes up half of my day. The hard thing is trying to be focused on my day job where it pays me. <laughs> we didn't but, even talk about what your day job is. I think you're a banker or something like that, right? I'm in, I'm in the, in, in, in the financial services, okay. but it's also, I think where it's helped me there is just being honest with my clients and just saying, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not going to blow smoke. It's, and some clients who are maybe in the music business, they see my stuff and they're like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And so there is that connection with other people. And I, again, I think it's, you know, when I can talk to Emily and uh, I think that's how you pronounce her name in, in Quebec city yeah. or have a magazine article. There was just one that just came out on uh, it's called, I think hardwire, not hardwire, but Heatwave. They're out of London. They did an article. Cool. Uh, there was, yeah, I'm trying to get into some other ones. So, I mean, again, using my sales, uh, I'm not afraid to ask. So I'm hoping to get into Thrasher magazine and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bulldog and tell me until they tell me to go, you know, fuck myself. I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> well, but, that's great. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's, it, it's, it's also, it's, I don't mean to, to talk on, but it's no. just having that self-confidence, which I think children need from a parent is, you know, I'm, I believe in this and what I'm doing yeah. and follow your path, follow your passion. Tell my kids that it's, you don't take shit from anybody and you follow what you are passionate about. My mother, that's something coming from my parents. My dad is passionate about food and my mother was passionate about anything that was nonconformist. Yeah. But I think kids need to have a parent who was passionate about something positive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's our kids really need that because you see a lot of things that you just, I just, you know, it's kind of disappointing and they need to have a parent. that's just like, this is cool. You know, I love music. I'm a musician or whatever and go, go all in. Yeah. And it's, I think this generation needs the good thing about, I think, 
my kids, it's not all about making money. It's not all about, you know, trying to get the bigger house. It's about what are you passionate about? And I think that's important because I think we got lost as a society. Yeah. It was, what, what makes you, what truly kind of makes you happy? What truly defines you? Um, kids, kids latch onto that, right? That's, that's good advice. Follow, like follow your passion. I think that's what, as I'm listening to you here today, that's like my, you know, my big takeaway here is like this passion has come back to you and, and I can see, and I can hear how important it's been to you to sort of reconnect with that. So yeah, amazing, amazing advice. Kevin, where, where can people find you online if they want to check out, they, maybe they haven't seen your, your pictures, where can they find you online? They can find me on Instagram at Kevin Salk Punk Rock Photography. They can find me on Facebook at Kevin Salk Punk Rock Photography. They can email me at yeah. me.com. Hell, they can call me on my mobile if they want. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, uh, you know it's, it's fun to have somebody connect with me. I had somebody who was younger who said, who's a photographer, says your, your photographs have influenced me. And I mean, I was floored. Wow. I mean, absolutely floored. But yeah, those are the two places. Um, you know, there's a link on my bio on on Instagram that will take you to Fathom, and it'll show you the the collection. Um, I mean, the Milo program through Punk Rock and Paintbrushes and you know, Emily is awesome. Yeah, because of the fo- of the. I mean, they, the picture sold out in 12 minutes, and half the proceeds went to the Riot Fest Foundation. Yeah. I was involved with a group called For the Nomads, uh, which was money raising money for people who are who work in music and touring. And I donated a a uh, Keith Morris with a shoe photo, which yeah. selfishly I think that's the greatest picture of Keith Morris that exists. Amazing photo. I was just looking at it tonight. And we raised, they raised, I think, over with everybody about $300,000. Because if you think about it, for touring, when COVID hit, everything yeah. stopped. From security guard, from the person in concessions, for the person who was lighting and, and sound, yeah. their world stopped completely. And they have families, they have children. Yeah. They're no different than us. And so it felt really good to help them. So you know, again, I think if people can reach out and help those who make our world work, which is music, whether it's live, especially live music. But that's where you find me. Um, again, if you email me and say, hey, what's up? Well, like I really, truly want to thank you for stopping by the Rad Dad Show and telling your story and your story of kind of passion and reconnecting with your true self. And I think it's so important um, for people to hear, especially parents and to, to hear, you know, the, the value of that as a parent and how being your, you know, true authentic self, um, your, your kids see that and they value that. That's really cool. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, I'm kids, hoping. Yeah. Kids need it. All I say is the other dads who have younger kids be involved. Yep. You know, one of my favorite memories was being a coach for my daughter's or assistant coach, for my daughter's softball team. You know, it, it was nothing better. Yeah. And uh, I, those are things that you miss, but be involved, you know, teach your kids about music, you know, sit at their level. Don't talk, don't sit on a chair, sit on the floor, 
introduce him to music. You know, Bill Stevenson said the same thing. He, he was very specific about that, like get down on the floor with your child. And that, that's some of his best memories were laying on the floor with his daughter, you know, and playing with her toys or whatever it was. But And just try to steer your kids away from hip hop and Drake and that other garbage. And, <laughs> Punk rock for life. Eh? You know, teach them about you know, the best, have a TV party. Yeah. <laughs> with your kids and play the song in the background. Cause that song is that, that song makes me smile. Yeah. And again, I'm so grateful and appreciative for, for what you're doing is, you know, especially you're, you're here for, for dads. And, you know, we, we need to make sure that we are an important part of our kids' lives because a lot of kids don't have dads and uh, it's, it's, it's an epidemic or they don't have moms. And we, it's, it's an important role that we play in our own kids' lives, but also the kids in our community. Yep. And I think what you're doing is great. And I'm just, it's uh, been cool. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I'm hoping I have tickets to punk rock bowling this fall. I'm not sure I'm coming from out of the country. So we'll see if, you know, we get there at this point. Sneak in. But if, just, uh, uh, just sneak in. Yeah. If I'm able to, to get down there, I definitely am going to be uh, stopping by punk rock museum because it's supposed to be open this summer right so i think so summers in vegas are a little toasty but i'm looking forward to the gig up the gigs up in sacramento because pennywise is playing uh i guess the original misfits yeah i saw that lineup is playing and metallica's playing so there you go i'm mixing two two things that i love there's a lot of fun stuff that uh what I want to do is get back into some of the clubs and seeing, yep. you know, seeing bands like, uh, like, like SWA, which is, uh, you know, Chuck Tukowski's band yep. and seeing some of the other ones where it's guys who are our age who are going back and jamming and, you know, doing that kind of fun stuff. It's just the only problem is they need to have, instead of having the kids and they do the shows early for the kids, they do the show early for the for the adults. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do the five o'clock to seven, so we can be home at home in bed by ten, right? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I uh, when the gig goes on at eleven, I'm like I'm usually sleeping. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to manage for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, you know, we do our best, and as long as we we you know get, teach our kids about passion and music is a, I grew up with it. My kids grew up with it. It's something that we can pass down and just make sure it's the right kind of music, yeah. which is our music. Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. It's been really great talking to you. Really appreciate it. All right. That was Kevin Salk on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter at, at Rad Dads Show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. You can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime, and in between time, stay rad.